0: This week in pro wrestling history with Big Vito Lagrasso. I'm Noah Harlow Legrasso, and we are going to discuss an interesting event. And I'm I'm super fascinated on some of the stories you're going to come up with because I know there is uh, quite a few. In April
1: 1997. Wait a um, minute, wait a minute. My love, say hello.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. You can't even see what you're doing. You got to put your hand in front of the camera. <laughs>
1: Hi everybody, welcome to the Big Vito brand. We're coming live, baby, live. I know this is the intro with all the info. That's how we got a flow. Some people don't give me an intro, you know, they just think, oh, hi, oh welcome to this week in wrestling. Hi, 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 Well, I'm in the house and uh let's get on with it.
0: Welcome to this week in pro wrestling history. I am here with former WWE, WCW, TNA, ECW, your mother's ass, Former superstar, Big Vito Lagrasso, how are you today?
1: I'm doing fine. Is that yeah. an
0: appropriate introduction for you, Sir Vito of vito
1: Yes, and I'm with Indy Star from Coatesville, um, Number Lancaster. one, I've no. never
0: been from Lancaster in my life. You've
1: been from Lancaster.
0: I've never lived in Lancaster in my life. You used
1: to run with the Amish. You know, the I awesome never did. You
0: know what? You used to run with Jeffs. There, I said it. What are you going to do about that?
1: All right, let's get former
0: indie wrestling superstar, professional model Noah Harlow Lagrasso. You can't even figure out where the camera is. <laughs> Can we talk about this week in pro wrestling history, please, Mister Lagrasso? Trying to be professional here.
1: But you know, first off, welcome to our new home. Our studio is not finished yet, but we're getting there. And uh, Vina, year- why don't
0: you welcome him to your brand new huge television in the bathroom.
1: Hey, hey. Right. seventy-five <laughs> inches. I was going for the eighty, but like they would just have uh, They didn't ridiculous. have any
0: of that TV yeah, in eighty.
1: They were r- ridiculous, and I wound up getting two TVs for the price of one. Go ahead.
0: This is not.
1: It's this TV week in history. wrestling. This is what this happened is in this not past wrestling.
0: week. This WrestleMania happened this past week. Not you got a seventy-five inch TV. All right, go ahead. All right, can we can we please get to the topic?
1: Yes, we got All
0: right, now I'm going to get to look at you with your eyes a-shining. Like <laughs> This week in pro wrestling history, we're going to talk about April 1997. Leon White, also known as Big Van Vader, was detained in Kuwait after he attacked a host of Good Morning Kuwait. He was arrested, and he was... Um, Questioned about the legitimacy of wrestling, which is what our topic is going to be being questioned about the legitimacy of wrestling. Um, he assaulted the host, he flipped pieces of the set, he spent 10 days under house arrest in Kuwait, he paid a fine before he was allowed to come back to the United States. So, this week we're going to discuss confrontations and fights with the public over pro wrestling's legitimacy and protection of your gimmick. So, I want to talk a little bit about Vader since this is what this week's wrestling history is about. Um, you've worked with Vader. Vader's pretty well known for having a temper. Um, you two had a fight in Japan involving the Road Warriors. you want to uh, elaborate on that for the fans who don't know?
1: Yeah, I mean... Let me
0: adjust this a little.
1: Time. I am not... Uh, I'm not here to spew any bad you know, vibes on Vader. You know what I mean? Leon was Leon. He had his own way of doing things. He had his own personality. So... Uh, what happened was I happened to wrestle him in Japan, and uh, it was just a little difficult. And uh, Mr. Hattori was the referee. This was for World Japan. He was looking at me. I was looking at him, and I told him, it's Mr. Hattori. It's time to go home. So my boys, uh, Hawk and Animal, watching the match and came back, and they saw I had a disgusted look in my face, and, and they were like, Vito, what happened? And I said, he just... Did not want to work. He did not want to do anything. Everything he said he was going to do, he didn't want to do. And like you know, I was like, okay, you know. So I told him, I said, Mr. Tori, you forget about me working with him again. I said, it's not happening. So uh, a couple days later, they put again. That's because he was difficult to work with. So they said, okay, Vito San, you have to work with Vader. I said, I said, you can give me a plane ticket now. I says, I am going home. I don't have to work on anybody. I says, and besides that, if you insist, I says, we're gonna fight right here, right now, on the spot. So Hawk and Animal came over and they said, Beetle, what is what's the matter? Yeah, they never seen me so upset. I said, He's talking shit. He's egging me on. I said, We're gonna fight. I said, it's gonna happen. He said, and I don't give a shit at this point. So Hawk went out there and Hawk was my buddy, and uh he challenged Vito right, right in the ring. He said, What did you do to Vito? Oh, no, brother, nothing. I didn't do it. Any- yes, you did. And both oh. of them told him, You do anything to Vito, he's going to be upset. He says, I'm going to kick your ass.
0: Animal calls you the third member of the Road Warriors. Is that true? That's true. He always tells me, Vito's the third member of the Road Warriors.
1: It's the truth. You know, and when you go back with those guys and you're tight and you know, you, you know, Hawk was such a great guy, and like he called me all the time to go to breakfast, called me all the time to go do things. And like, you know, even when he was in trouble on the road, yeah, he called Vito, brother. So, can you come to my room? I said, What's the matter? I need you, brother. Bring your first aid kit. All right, get there, and it's chaos. And I called Joe, Joe, what's the matter? You gotta come to Hawk's room, brother. I can't fix this one.
0: <laughs> so, and we'll tell that story uh, well, at to in a later day. That one in a later day. Trust um, me, we need a whole episode for that one. So basically, it was
1: just you know being difficult. And then in Japan, he had um, he had issues with the Japanese, and there was a so-called um, incident where he got sliced with a razor on his legs, and you know people tried to beat him up. And story was kind of fabricated, and you know it was. It was a little bit of bullshit and a little bit of, him, you know, everything was about money and everything was, you're making 15000 a week. What do you have to complain about?
0: Well, is going to kind of lead me in because you're talking about heat with the Japanese and different things. Um, Pro wrestling has always kind of had a love-hate relationship with um, mainstream media. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first thing I can really think of that stands out in my mind is the um, incident with uh, Dr. D, Dave Schultz, and John Stossel, where Stossel had questioned him um, about uh, the legitimacy of pro wrestling. And Dr. D slapped him in the face, shoved him, and said, is that fake? Um, you want to comment on that? Because that's one of your favorite things well, to
1: watch. You know, guys, when you look at the VEDA thing, you know, VEDA, Dr. D. David Schultz, Johnny Rods, Big Vito, all were brought up in the wrestling business as protect the business at all times. Believe in your gimmick. Always make a kayfabe. When people question the legitimacy of wrestling, especially in that time, with myself included, not saying that Dr. D and and Vader being there were before me, but they uphold the same values as I did. You um, uh, you know, people question it, just like Andy Kaufman and Jerry Lawler. That's, I guess, where I, first... I was just going to give an example. But uh, Vader tearing apart the set and making a point, especially from some guy who's sitting there who would never think of getting in the ring, would never think about getting in a fight. He's never had, Vader had his eye poked out by Stan Hansen inside out. Uh, He's been in some of the best heavyweight fights in history. You know, he's a tough guy. You know, not taking nothing against away from Leon. But when it comes to legitimizing, legitimizing the sport of professional wrestling, you always take care of your business, which he did.
0: Side pop to that. We're going to show the video here on the program, The Undertaker Never Moved. He was there as part of a full interview for the event, The Undertaker. Vader gets up, gets at his face, flips the table. Taker just sits there and just no-sells the whole time. Like, he never even moves. He just watches it. Yeah. He's like, "Yep, yeah, well, you asked that's for it. That's what you just-
1: do, and that's how you have Dr. D. Davis Schultz. You know, like Noel said, now there was a time, and that's one of my favorite interviews because it's legit, and that's the way it's supposed to be, you know, When, you know, ah, is wrestling fake? Okay. And back in the 70s, if I believe right, this was in the 70s. 80s,
0: early, early
1: 80s. Early 80s, 70s going into the early 80s, when wrestling was legitimate as can be. Men with men bodies, big, tough, rugged men. And you have these reporters, oh, is that fake? Oh, I don't think so. All right. How about tasting one of these and then tasting one of these? And then we'll see how fake it is. Is it fake now? Is Now is it is it fake? I don't think so.
0: Did you ever have an encounter like um, like this? with? The, I know you're very good with press, but did you ever have an encounter where they question the legitimacy? I've been out with you when people have said, oh, it's fake, right, on many occasions. Has there ever been any occasion where you've had to get physical over protection of the business itself? Not your gimmick per se, but the business.
1: I will say that the probably... My time in Puerto Rico, you know, you always protect the business. Um, Times when I was in Santa Domingo, you protect the business. Um, When I was in, in Japan, you always protect the business. Everything is snug. Probably the most rugged time I have to say was when I was in Nepal and we did a demonstration. Now, Nepal never had pro wrestling there before being was WWE superstar going over there. We had thousands among thousands of people. We did a live demonstration and, you know.
0: Yeah, the, the lines got blurred in Nepal, basically, um, because you literally had people that believed everything was 100% legit. They were never smartened up or exposed to anything else. There were no smart fans there. So um, when you had that public you even attacked him at the airport, which made people really believe that that was 100% legit. Go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just wanted to let people know that not When I went to the
1: call, my initial time there, when I first got off the plane, the objective is make the people believe. I kicked the shit out of my opponent at the airport. I had no police protection. I went in there, and I was swinging away, kicking away. I lost my passport, I lost my stuff. These guys were with me. They picked me up. They didn't know what was happening. They were in shock. Nobody said anything. K fade. When it hit the news, it was all over the papers. Pro wrestling superstar Big Vito comes. I have a bunch of lays on me. They're kissing me. They're honoring me. It was a big politician. And here I am coming slugging off the thing. I didn't come here to lose. So we go to a public workout and the guys who were wrestlers there they all watch on tv so they really didn't have any particular training they all thought it was a joke okay you think this is funny i stretched every single one of them to where i made them tap legit putting them in shoot moves i said is this funny is this fake now and they were just looking at me like oh my god this is like not what we thought the people were there and they were they were silenced because they said okay Anybody else? I must have went through six or seven guys who thought like it was funny. And they want, you know, they thought it was a joke. It wasn't a joke after I left that public at a public workout, escorted back. Then when we got to the arena and I did my match and I hit him, and chaos broke out. Five thousand people attacking me, slices on my back, protecting the referee who had no idea what was going on. You know, um the US Embassy getting involved, the National Guard getting involved. It
0: made the um Associated Press, which is how we found out in the United States, and you called me and said, Something has happened. And I said, What has happened? I thought you got food poisoning. Well, I did get <laughs> you that. You did too. get food they poisoning me twice, twice. and <laughs> the so, same trip. But, but it, uh, it came it came on the associated press and they were literally saying that Vito injured children and that Vito, like they, they really thought I had to, and it's the middle of the night because it's the exact opposite over here. I actually was staying at my parents' house because Vito's away. I'm staying with my parents. I had to go up, wake my mom up and go, Vito's in trouble. We have to call the embassy because it was legit. He really was in that level of trouble and we couldn't figure out what we had to do here in the United States to get him back. That was definitely a blurred line between reality and fiction.
1: And the first thing I told us, I'm not coming home. I said, I'm finishing this. I am not coming home. I'm finishing what I started.
0: And then he went back the next year.
1: And then I went back the next year. And then when I went back the next year, I won the heavyweight title. First Nepal, Nepalese heavyweight champion. Went to the embassy. First thing they said, how could you come here and win the title? Again, I did not come here to
0: lose. And you asked me to marry you before you left.
1: Well, yeah.
0: that's because I didn't want you to go back.
1: <laughs> they were giving enough free pancakes at the hotel.
0: Yeah, I'm sure they were. Honey. <laughs> no, I did not want him to go back because that was a little bit too much of blurred the line of reality. Cause when he came home, his back was covered in cuts and, and even his tattoos had the color ripped out from being yeah. stabbed. I and mean, he had to, like, get his tattoos redone on his back. It was right. brutal. It I don't was... think people realize how vicious that attack really was and how real that that wrestling can be.
1: And the two Japanese boys who were there with me, and I was friends with them from Japan, and I, says, I said, there's something wrong with my back. He said, have you have cuts. I said, you're kidding me. He says, yeah, you have you're cut. He said, you need to get, you know, you need to get cleaned up. I had no idea, I got sliced. And when you got those plastic metal, those plastic chairs and you're swinging them, they work as knives, especially when you're wet.
0: They're very thick, those plastic chairs that they were breaking on him and he was cut to shreds. Um, Vito, since we're talking about blurring the lines between a work and reality, let's go into something that you mentioned earlier with the um, Andy Kaufman, Jerry Lawler um, angle and the um, David Letterman show. That's a bit of the mainstream press getting an actual taste of a work that's blurred that nobody even found out was a work. Really, until the last several years when the Man on the Moon movie came out and they exposed that Kaufman and Lawler had behind-the-scenes planned that whole thing with Letterman.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, you know, when the Andy Kaufman thing came out and Jerry Lawler took it upon himself, and it was a great, great angle, but the guy tried to make a mockery of wrestling. It's been documented. And when Jerry Lawler, who was huge, bigger than Hulk Hogan in Memphis, one of the biggest stars in the wrestling industry today, when you look at Memphis history or you look at wrestling history not too many people give Jerry Law a lot of credit but if you go into Memphis or go down south Jerry Law is the king King Jerry Law bigger than Everest Presley I mean that's the way it goes and he protected the business you always protect the bit just like Skull Von Crush. you're German you talk German you act German you're still German Stevie Ray was telling me uh, when you know right before he got inducted into the Hall of Fame he said, that was probably one of the, my, me and my brother, you know, Booker, he says, we used to love your gimmick. He said, that should have had the biggest heel run because you got so much heat just walking out there with the hat, the coat, everything. He says, you should have been, you should have blow, blew up skull on Crush.
0: And for those of you, I'm sure everybody watching is aware of the Andy Kaufman, David Letterman, the the, uh, angle where he threw the coffee on him and they fought at David Letterman, his staff didn't even know that that was a work. And, And behind the scenes, Andy Kaufman loved professional wrestling and had the utmost respect for professional wrestling. But in public, he downed that. He was the kid that always hung out backstage. He even did Breakfast with Blassie. If you've ever seen Breakfast with Blassie, he did a sit down with Freddie Blassie and talked about the wrestling business before there was like a break kayfabe you want to know
1: something guys and this is all seriousness. like we have you know writers and like you know guys who do the internet today guys like Ryan Satin Dave Meltzer um who's the other guy who's like shits on who shits on wrestling um I'll just bring up those two guys and I'm not saying nothing bad about them you know, Wade they, Keller
0: maybe I don't wait, know okay, I don't wait. know all these people it, because okay. they're not we we'll
1: really. just we use those two guys okay, because they put out the most news now they do their journalism and they see fit how to report wrestling. I don't know um I don't know Dave Meltzer personally, I don't know Ryan Satin personally. You get upset at what they print and what they do but there is a but. I would imagine though those two are probably huge wrestling fans and they would love to sit and talk about old school wrestling just like Andy Kaufman and just like a bunch of other people who want to perceive this persona. And you know what? You know, and again, I'm not saying nothing bad. I'm just giving my analytic view and my journalistic view. Some people might agree with this, some people might not, but the way I look at it is if you don't love something that much, why would you invest that much time in it? Okay? And if you're gonna go out and spew yeah, just to sell your thing. All right, everybody's got to make a living, but sometimes you got to print the right stuff, and sometimes you got to print the cool stuff. You can't always print garbage. Behind the scenes, I bet that you know the both of them love wrestling. I both I bet you the both have been fans since kids. I, they probably got action figures, magazines, everything that you could probably want, and they're probably wrestling historians. I know I'm probably throwing a lot at you guys, but. If you're not into wrestling, into the sport like we are, where we actually live it and taste it and breathe it every day, there's the other side of it. But everybody grew up a wrestling fan, and that's just the way it is.
0: Abdullah the Butcher says the wrestlers are the barks, really, because we all grew up as fans. We all did. And thats I always thought that was a pretty cool and statement.
1: It was a cool statement. And then you know what? And then when the guy, when ECW came along, and ECW was the breaking point of how to get into wrestling, because everybody thought they could do EC style, ECW style wrestling, and that's when the fans became the writers, and that's when the first time you heard that expression.
0: Right, right. So a part of part of this whole thing with Vader and and Doctor D and and some of the other gentlemen is. Showing you're legitimately tough in public. You have to show you're a public persona as a tough guy and you protect that. Bret Hart said nothing made him matter than when people used to call his father a phony. And he would get in fights over it as kids. So he was even defending the business as a child. Um, Dick Slater beat up uh, the uh, football player, John uh, Mutznick, I believe his name was. Mm -hmm. He was legit in a Tampa bar because he told him wrestling was fake. He he was so impressed with Dick Slater beating him up. He found him the next day and they became lifelong friends because he couldn't believe he had so much passion that he defended, uh, something to, to that level. So I know like protecting your toughness in public is also important. Do you have any, um, stories along? That there was a,
1: there was a video online. I can't think of the guy's name where it was a wrestler protecting the business with some fan who used to bust his balls. And the guy put on a pair of trunks. And you could see the wrestler. I can't remember this, but I, know, I watched it a thousand times. Where the wrestler was twisting him and stretching him in the ring. And the guy was screaming, no, no, stop. Get away from me. And the guy was going out. Do you think it's fake now? And he chased him all the way to the dressing room, beating the living shit out of him.
0: The Stu Hart used to do that too. Oh, you think you think wrestling's fake, why don't you come down to the dungeon? And then he would lock him up and he would knock out grown men, professional football players, bodybuilders, because they would tell him it's fake and and he was an old school hooker, an old school shooter, and he would hook him in a hole. And they would pass out, and Owen Hart said he remembered his father walking them around the yard, passed out from some night at a bar, and they would scream and cry to get out of hold. It was almost like you had to prove your toughness because everybody would tell you you're fake. And those guys from the 60s, 70s, 80s, those were big, tough, strong Living hard guys town to town night to night guys
1: guys, you know, the big veto persona, you know Being from Staten Island, New York being a legit tough guy mafia tough guy being an Italian badass Yeah, I lived that every single day of my life carried into wrestling every single day being that guy And when you look at that veto Compared to this veto you see a world of difference and a change. You see a peaceful change. You see a nice change you see a, a
0: kinder, gentler veto.
1: You see a kind of <laughs> gentler vida that you can accept, and you say, "Okay." Now I get to see the difference because if when I look at me back then, and I say this to my wife all the time, when I look at me, I look at myself, and I say, "I wouldn't want to mess with him," and he looks like a real fucking asshole, tough son of a bitch that would rip your lungs out. But that's how you had to be. And if I'm sitting there watching, I'm not boasting or anything like that. But when you look back at how you were compared to how you are now, that's a big change.
0: I kind of caught the last few years of the big veto years. And I w- I'm at the end of this, I want you to tell a story. We'll tell it together. I think you know what story I'm going to tell. <laughs> but um, I Listen. want you to talk about uh, a little bit about sometimes uh, per- you do crazy things to protect the gimmick that you have now that's kind of gone out of style a lot of people don't do that anymore but you know back in the day like the wild Samoans were arrested and uh, They faked like they didn't speak English and Vince McMahon had to come get them out of jail because the police go We can't communicate with them. They don't speak English. You were one of the last people in the business to stick to a gimmick. Now with social media and everything else, you know that certain people are a couple outside of the ring. They can't be feuding. There's a couple. Why are are these two are playing a couple, but behind the scenes there are a couple. The Rusev and Lana thing where they had broken up and they got engaged and exposed it on social media. That cave babe gimmick time is gone, but you were one of the last guys to actually carry that through with the dress. Um, did you have confrontations about the dress? What was that like? Because you went to airports in the dress. You went to dinner in the dress, hotels in the dress. What was that like protecting that gimmick?
1: Well, if you were going to do something, you know, in the way I was brought up in the business, if you're going to do a gimmick, you're going to do it. You know, there's a saying, when a promoter gives you an opportunity and they say, "Will you do this, you don't know if that's the last time they're going to give you an opportunity. So if they're going to give you a run at something, they're going to say, okay, we have this for you. Do you want it? Because if you don't take it, okay, you're difficult to work with. We're not going to have – you're not going to be in consideration for anything. You're just going to be a job boy squash guy, and that's it. I was brought up. Somebody has something for you. Okay, I'll do it. No problem.
0: Some people don't take that opportunity like uh, Terry Taylor and the Red Rooster where he had that gimmick and he the, just trash it. Terry Taylor.
1: You know, everybody has a lot of things to say about Terry Taylor. And I have my views on Terry Taylor. But when you talk about work rate, he was up there. When you talk about ring psychology, he was up. When you talk about work in the ring being believable, great work, great mind, great everything. When he was behind the scenes and he had the chance to pro, you know, um, how would you, the word I'm looking for is, uh, you know, show his views, show his visions through others and have a chance to be that guy in charge in the back and work on the controls. He did a good job. You know what I mean? You see some of that today in some of the wrestling from NXT. You know, they, they're not coming up with this on the, on the top level. A lot of these gimmicks that are coming through are old school mentality gimmicks. So the guys who get the chance to work the controls, are definitely putting together some talent. It's just that it just doesn't get to that level when you get to the major leagues and then it gets cut and you have to start all over again because it's not the WWE way. You have NXT and you have WWE. But when you talk about protecting your gimmick, go out in the dress, live in the dress. And what's the worst thing that's going to happen to me? People have pulled a gun on me. People have pulled knives on me. I've been in fights. I said, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? They're going to shoot me? They're going to beat me up? I said, five or six guys want to fight me in a dress. I'm going to take one or two with me. I'll get my ass kicked. But I'm going to represent.
0: Tell a story about when you um, went out with the boys, uh, Undertaker and the guys to eat, and you were in the dress.
1: We went out to, a, I forget where we were, I think we were in Indiana somewhere, and um Mr. Kennedy, The Undertaker, Chavo, a bunch of us just stopped at a diner. So I said, guys, are going to be right back. He like, all right, Vito. So I go in the parking lot, and there's eight guys. And all of a sudden, they started to surround me. And I'm like, oh, shit. And I'm looking at the window to see if anybody's watching me. And... Uh, and I'm saying, oh man, this is going to be bad. And it was one of those parking lots where it was rocky and it was like, you know, had holes in it. And I said, man, somebody messes up my manicure, I'm going to be pissed.
0: <laughs> that is probably the first thing you yeah, thought. about. Yeah, it was. If I somebody
1: gives me a scratch, I'm going to be like, no.
0: Everything, every time you've ever done anything, the first thing you think about was your face. Yeah, Don't hit face. me in the face.
1: <laughs> so I'm out there and the guys are wondering, you know, who the hell is Vito? It's taking a long time to just go to the car. So I finally came back and said, if you don't have me, I said, they just had eight guys in the parking lot, you know, they want, almost wanted to fight me. I thought I was going to get my ass kicked. So everybody got up and they went out there and, uh, you know, the guys that were getting in their cars and they took off. But another time was when we went to the uh, Shamrock fight and we was fighting Tito Ortiz back in 2006. And um, I think we were at the, uh, the wing house. We were somewhere, it was 600 guys and I walk in the dress. everybody just, shut up and mark henry goes oh boy man we are going to have one fight in here i know it's going to happen
0: <laughs> so, so you went to the wing house in a in your dress in with mark joke. henry
1: <laughs> but, but all the guys traveled with me you no know, that's another thing when i had the dress on all the boys respected me because i did it and i represented the gimmick and i old school style nobody ever razzed me nobody made fun of me so there was one guy who came up to me he says yeah what are you wearing that dress for? I says, he said, listen, why don't you walk away? I said, before I have to kick the shit out of you in front of 600 people, and you're going to get beat up by a guy in a fucking dress. Now leave me alone.
0: I would expect you would say something more along the lines of, well, your mom left it at my house, because that's something that I could expect out no, of you. But like
1: Having a mom <laughs> joke at that point, it's like, okay, you want to get your ass fucking handed to you? Let's go. Because then it's just like, you want to get your ass handed to you by a guy in a dress in front of everybody? By all means let's go okay
0: you also had some pretty uh wheel <laughs> these stories of pro wrestling history can't be full pro wrestling history unless we talk about Vito's history with women because uh someone on twitter had mentioned something about oh how many times will Vito put himself over and i said you don't understand i said it's not about how many times Vito put himself over you should be counting how many women Vito has slept with during these stories I skeeve them a little (laughs) just because I'm his wife, but it's very many years before me. Let's talk about living your gimmick a little bit and that, and then I want to get to the story that about toughness and your toughness being tested and protecting yourself. But as far as everyone's favorite part, women in veto, gimmick, dress, women in veto, go ahead. The floor is yours.
1: There are a lot of sexy women out there. Not a lot of women who are,
0: Two thumbs pointed at this guy. You married me, so if you don't think I'm sexy, that's on you. Yeah. I
1: didn't say anything. Why are you giving me? I'm glad we're doing this and you give me a hard time. See what I deal with people? Thank you. Anyway.
0: I'm letting you tell your women getting laid. I mean,
1: I'm sexy. Get, well, if yes. you'd let me speak.
0: Oh, go ahead. I'll just sit over here.
1: Thank you. Thank you. So. As we were talking about.
0: Tell your stupid story. Your teeth are so white they're iridescent. Just tell your story.
1: So when it came to women wearing the dress, and women were intrigued by the dress. A lot of people wanted to. They thought it was sexy. They thought it was exciting. So a lot of women took me, you know, off it, you know, uh, spent time with me. I spent time with a lot of women <laughs> wearing the dress. And, Can you know, I
0: intercede? This is our show that's basically a shoot show. You can say whatever you want, but you still dance around. I spent time with women in my little love nest. That it, Why don't you just give it to them real how you give it a home? Give it to them real. Hey, this little, I spent time with many a woman. And it, what are you, a bookworm? A nerd? You want my glasses? Give it to them straight shoot. This is, this is. The biggest advertisement for the Big Vito brand on the Russo Band, on ROM Network, going out there, going on iTunes, and you're talking about, we had a little love message. All so right, all right, you want to hear, you
1: want to hear? I love moms. Them fucking bitches are wild, all right? They're crazy. Okay. When they come out to play, they come out with one purpose. They want to get their shit on, and they want to go, okay? So this is what the Big V was standing for, you know? Moms, big veto, sp- turn it upside down. Then now you know why I say wow all the time. Wow, wow. It sounded Spin like it you upside said, down. Mom.
0: It sounds it sound like you said paternity upside oh. down. Is there a paternity? Yeah,
1: issue? there could have been some paternity. <laughs> paternity
0: upside down. Vito, tell me a dress story because last week people were intrigued by your office. The office story. Can you tell me? a dress office story because i know some and if you're gonna kayfabe i'm telling them so you better tell. there (laughs) was a
1: person in the the office who uh was at the bar when i was in bar i think it was in canada and um we were drinking and uh she got a little tipsy so i walked her back to her room and made sure she got in there and then when i got in there she started kissing me First thing she says, don't you dare make me regret this. And I was like, I'm game. So my dress was up, her dress was up, our dresses were flapping, we had it it going on. It, It was down and dirty. I wound up having a relationship with this young lady.
0: Look again, a relationship. We That's had right. a relationship.
1: Business didn't. relationship. So You do
0: not have a business relationship. You were fuck buddies. Just say it. You didn't have a relationship. Okay, so can buddy. I say it like
1: this? I was a fly in for fuck buddies. Not too many people have that. Hotel pay, flight pay, car, limo, paid.
0: Thanks, Vince. <laughs> Tell them. Thank them. Thanks, Vince. Go ahead. Go ahead. Do it. Thank you. Did you have sex in Titan Tower? There's a rumor. No. Did you have sex in Titan? Did you get any action? I'm, I'm going to be veto. Did you have any interludes in Titan
1: Towers? I Tower? had relationship with some women from Titan Towers.
0: Did you do anything in no, the
1: office? Did not elevators. Nothing.
0: Vince's desk next to the big dinosaur fossil.
1: Nope, nothing. Lockdown. No, nope. nothing, guys.
0: And you've had some sex in some strange places, so I'm surprised that wasn't one of your goals.
1: Last thing you wanted to do was get caught because, like, they frowned upon that. Oh, you can't date the staff, oh brother, you can't, you know, be with the women. And then I but got the like then I got the call. You know, I noticed you're friends with somebody, and true uh, story. Who
0: was that somebody? The Ace of Spades.
1: Ace of Spades.
0: The, we should call her the Queen of Spades. <laughs> yeah, he's the Ace of Spades.
1: How you doing, brother John Laurinaitis? VP you gave of- the
0: name away. Oh
1: John Laurinaitis, VP of Operations. How you doing, buddy? Hey, Vito, how you doing today? Listen, uh, I know you've been hanging around the office and everything's good. And, uh, it's good. Uh, you know The women here are kind of friendly with you, especially with the dress. Uh, is there anything going on you need to tell me about? No, John, I don't know nothing. All right, Vito, listen, I just had to ask because there's just some rumors going around that you're having a little bit too much of a good time. All right, buddy, see you later. Bye-bye.
0: People don't realize that you do, he does actually a really good John Laurinaitis enough that I have seen him call people.
1: Call people And tell them, they're, tell them he's they got Let John them know they got a tryout.
0: And leave them his phone number. <laughs> leave his actual phone number. You're the best so they call, like, ever. you called me? You want me to come up? I don't know who you are. How did you get my number? But you left a message. <laughs> I've seen him do it. It's really funny. Maybe we will have to try it on the show sometime. That would be very it. funny. Okay, so the last thing I want to talk about is I have seen you protect your toughness and protect your reputation as Big Vito in said wing house. You have a lot of things that happen at the wing house. I was there the night that the person who was talking crap and trying to cost you booking showed up. I don't want to say the guy's name because I don't want to get no. him any attention because I've already called him out about 400 times. But, but, you want to talk about that fight? We were there for a... Uh, Pay-per-view. We were
1: there for a pay-per-view and like, I was sitting with my buddies and just sitting there and the guy was over there, walked in my place, talking trash.
0: And, and sat I, across. I
1: sat across and I finally said, okay, I had enough of this shit. Step outside, called him out and said, hey, motherfucker, what is your problem? You want to talk shit? You want to get in my face? Okay. headbutt to the face. Two buddies from behind me. I said, oh, I said, you guys can make a fucking move. I said, I'll kick the shit out of both of you too. So in front of my girl, in front of all the women in the wing house, all the waitresses were going to back me up. My wife was going to back me up. You
0: got up and your friends, we had friends. We met to watch UFC and WWE pay-per-views and Tyson Kidd might have been there. No, no, that wasn't that night. Um, You took your Rolex off. You took your jewelry off and you handed it to Steve and said, I'll be right back. Hold this. And Steve looks at me and goes, Steve, I'm going to get in a fight. And I said, yep. And I got up real quick. And I ran outside, and by the time I opened the door, Vito was headbutting the guy in the face, and he went down like a ton of bricks, and his two buddies were coming up, and me and this little tiny waitress said, you're going to have to go through us to get to him, so if you want to fight girls, then go ahead. Well, after they saw him laying on the ground and saw us, they were like, no. That little waitress goes, me too. (laughs) She was so tiny. But we had to leave the wing house that evening. We were on a work band. you know
1: what it is, <laughs> what it is, guys? It's not that kind of lifestyle no more. And Everything is on a calm, peaceful thing.
0: But that was the very end of that Big veto era. Protecting
1: error. the business.
0: Protecting the business. This so. was a good chat. Do you have anything else that you'd like to add before I give you next week's topic?
1: No, I just want to thank everybody for tuning in. I hope you're in, in, uh, enjoying the shows. Go to Big Vito's wish list because people on the brand appreciate me since you guys missed all the other stuff.
0: I have a wish list.
1: Go to the big veto wish list. I never
0: get anything. But I'm big veto. But I produce all your shows. But I'm big Vito. I'm big Noel. So there. What? What?
1: Guys, I don't even have to say nothing. You just
0: I prepare this whole sh- I prepare Guys, this whole show. Guys, you understand, right? I do the research. I edit. I, I I get it to Vince. You sit there and talk about. I wore a dress and go because I'm in the, Canada. Because
1: I'm the namer. I'm the talent. What am I? The producer? You I, just said what listen, you were.
0: I have boobs and you don't, so I should probably get things.
1: Guys, go to my wish list. I appreciate it.
0: Hey, Thank you for saying go to my wish list. Next week's topic. Oh, we should probably touch on this first. Go to The Big Veto Brand. Check us out on twitch.tv slash TheBigVetoBrand. Our audio podcast. I hate when you do that. Our audio podcasts are anchor. FM slash the Big Vito brand. You can get us on Alexa devices. We are under your um, podcast section, and we're also on your flash briefings. Next week's topic here on the Russo brand on the Realm Network will be April 18th. 2007, WWE ends their developmental relationship with Deep South Wrestling. This leads to talent being reassigned to OVW and then less than a year later, FCW. This leads to the development of the Performance Center. We're going to talk about Vito's memories of Deep South Wrestling, winning the Deep South Heavyweight title, different developmental systems he's been in, and young stars he encountered while in WWE Developmental Centers, also at the power plant. So we will see you next week for This Week in Wrestling History.
1: Bye bye. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like big Vito, big Vito. Yeah, I feel like big Vito, big Vito. Yeah. Feel like big Vito. Yeah. I said I'm up next like I got the call from Vito. We not some average Joe, stay escaping from Leo's. So call me big Vito, I got a kick like a shoddy and like you're taking hard shots to the body. They had you on a dress, but you were still styling and